but actually in this train you cannot run the best route choices all the time it can be always better to run straight or anything but you have to think about saving energy and how to run the whole course so sometimes you will lose on, on a leg like 20-30 seconds but overall you're gaining. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Run-In. This week we'll be talking the recent ban on Russian nationality and having to compete under a neutral flag. Catherine's off to the Skio World Championships virtually. Yeah, you say off to, yeah. I was going to, off to virtually. <laughs> and uh, we've got a great interview from Kenya, from the Czech national team who is on a high altitude training camp out there at the moment. But we'll start this week, Catherine, with a general unlocking of Britain, which is going to be happening slowly. Slow, <laughs> very slowly. But yeah, so of course we heard at least... We're, we're up we should say we're up on what's happening in england so apologies to listeners in wales in northern ireland and in scotland but um not quite as clued up on that um but of course um formally organized outdoor sports able to resume from the 26 26 29th of march able to resume from the 29th of march and um, of course, British Orienteering said they're welcoming this, but they're going to, of course, issue um, further guidance once they find out basically more from the government. We're kind of in the same position we were last year, which is like, we're allowed to do stuff. But we're not exactly sure like how many people were allowed. You know, I'm, I'm sure there'll be lots of stuff in terms of like groups of six, things like that. But certainly I think we really saw a priority for outdoor sports you know outdoor sports are allowed to start before all non-essential shops are open so i think that's a really um great i think key message that that we've got that finally some sense yeah this this you know we need to have all these like healthy um lifestyle things and and outdoor sports being allowed to be one of the first things that starts up i think is um really really encouraging absolutely yeah i I mean it boggled my mind that it wasn't one of the first things last year, and the first thing was pubs. So, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> welcome yeah. to change of Pubs is not going to be for ages. I know and there's so much chat's gone down on the um, Southern Navigators um, WhatsApp about when pubs are allowed to open, yeah. <laughs> and people are counting down the days. But I'm counting down the days till the 29th of March. Yeah, I, it's, I think it's a week after the um, first planned test race in Britain, so that could throw up some difficulties with that one. Mm-hmm. Slightly unsure about how that will work, especially with Scotland yet to announce as we're recording um, what they're planning to do with yeah. the first race being up there. But that looks pretty good for if all goes to plan. Um, the next race is up in the Midlands on the 17th, 18th of April. The Lakes weekend that was scheduled in around the uh, 9th, 10th of, eight, of May. And then mm. being able to do international travel the day before the European Champs. So, yeah, <laughs> good 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 like to see it i am very pleased about that oh, absolutely um and speaking of european championships and world championships Catherine, you're soon off to uh to virtually commentate on the skio yeah and in fact um by the time this goes out i'll have done two of the competitions i'll have commentated on two of the competitions yeah world skiing touring champs in estonia um i hear that the weather's been pretty warm out there it's going to be really really tough conditions but yeah you know this is the first international orienteering event 
yes, it's ski orienteering and that's like ridiculously niche, but it is <laughs> the first thing that's going to happen, you know, since all the COVID and all the shutdown and everything. So I think this is really going to provide a template for what happens uh, more widely internationally. And, you know, this has quite a small um, entry list, um, but, you know, it's, it's it's really exciting i'm just glad that there is some sport i can do some commentary and there's some great competition but you know actually one of the things we need to talk about in terms of the ski orienteering is that mm. i've not been able to call the russian athletes russian the last couple of days and into the next couple of competitions because say. they are now neutral athletes uh basically after a ruling uh in december from cast the court for the court of arbitration for sports basically the russian anti-doping agency declared non-compliant uh for a two-year period so until um mid-december 2022 they've been allowed to compete as neutral athletes so um you know they're not allowed to have any national anthems not allowed to have the flag don't really know how it's going to work like more, more widely and they're not allowed to wear a kit as well so um yeah i've basically been having to call them neutral athletes the whole time i so from having watched the biathlon world championships recently they, a similar thing happened there where they're mm. now called the rbu instead of russia but they still seem to be wearing their normal kit that they wear at a world cup and i don't think any of them were doing well enough to to get on the podium or anything like that so uh, mm. i didn't see any of the national anthems but it it strikes me as ra- rather late to the party considering yeah all of the mclaren reports and uh, the investigation to sochi you know started coming out in 2015 2016 so what have we done since then really apart from a 5am drugs raid on the the Russian national team at WOC in 2016, I think. That's well, the, the thing, thing is that there, there were, um, I think the only really drugs convictions that there have been in orienteering have been in ski orienteering. So mm. back in, uh, let me find out where it was, in 2017 European Championships, um, hang on, when was it? Yeah, in, uh, in 2017, uh, Polina Frolova was banned for four years um, for testing positive for meldonium um, so uh, there have been cases in ski orienteering um, or maybe they, they've just been caught in ski orienteering as opposed to in other disciplines within sport so um, yeah it does kind of seem odd that nothing has happened so far and I'm not sure whether there's been any testing as at um, these world championships so uh, yeah it's I'm surprised that nothing happened earlier when you, you compare to like athletics and, you know, they've been, Russians have been neutral athletes for what seems like ages in athletics. Mm. Yeah. And I almost kind of, I, I see the point in the neutral athlete. I do in terms of not all people will be doping in that specific country, but it also does make a slight mockery of it where the ones who have a lot of the ones who have been winning in athletics, they haven't actually received any band. And you think, well, anyone's going to be doping is probably going to be people who are winning um Mm, well yeah who knows i mean i think i saw a tweet earlier today that you you shouldn't assume that everybody is doping and you shouldn't assume that nobody is doping those are two like i kind of someone saying two kind of crazy opinions to take but it's probably somewhere in the middle and um I, i don't really know what the answer is to be honest 
I, just just be clean yourself and sleep sleep at night. Yeah, it's the best that most people can do. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. I totally agree. So yeah, it's going to be weird going forwards with this in terms of like um, the World Championships. Uh, in fit orienteering and you know Russia not being allowed to apply for to host any of the major championships and 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 actually this this only I think applies at the the senior world championships so in all disciplines in 2021 and 2022 it doesn't affect junior youth or masters championships or things like the world games the world unis things like that interesting is and that's because they're under different governing bodies like FISU for the world universities I'm assuming yeah, I'm ass- I'm assuming so, but I'm not sure like why it doesn't affect the junior, but maybe that's a thing um across other sports as well that um they've only applied that to the senior level, but um uh to be honest, I'm not sure. Mm, that is an interesting one. Well, at least they can have some nice jazzy kit for a <laughs> walk in the summer. <laughs> yeah, something I don't know what they're going to be running in like just normal I don't know, unbranded stuff or IOF. Um, Can kit. they? Are they allowed to run in a different nation's top? Is there any, any rules against that? <laughs> well, I think the other nations might have a problem with that. Um, Maybe. What, who could stop them though? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, let me try and find what it says. Russian athletes. Oh, Russian athletes will participate in neutral clothing, free of associations to the Russian Federation. That's all it says. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. There could be some wiggle room around that. So have some fun. <laughs> mm, yeah. Well. Well. Just seeing how. Um, I know when um, Elena Bergman um, had her pink hair on the um, podium in. I think it was. I think it was in Estonia. Uh, they weren't very happy with the fact that she had pink hair on the podium because they have to dress completely in their like kit. They're not allowed to like be creative on the podium so that is the particular oh, way God, that they really? decide to be creative yeah they they dyed all their hair pink the women's relay team i'm sure they did i know you're you're right they definitely did is that that big a deal dyeing your hair pink that this one getting annoyed at it oh <laughs> there's, bigger, there's bigger things oh uh, there are bigger fish to fry anyway uh. <laughs> well why don't we move on to our um, main interview uh, of the week and actually we were chatting about this in the previous um podcast episode that the czech team are currently in kenya of all places um and we we just wanted to get someone on so will did a great job of uh persuading tracking down milos nikodim who's also one of the favorites or one of the medal hopes i think for um the world championships coming up this summer in july Okay, well, why don't you start by describing where you are and what you're doing? I'm in Kenya. It's like Central Africa. And I'm trying to get into the best shape as possible. Actually, I've been here in Kenya before the season 2018. And that one went pretty well for me. So I I hope it's going to be the same ahead of the home world champs soon. That's the season where you won your home World Cup, wasn't it, at the end of the year? Yeah, yeah. And I also had pretty good uh, results in the European champs in Switzerland that year. That, that was for sure like my best uh, best achievements year in my career so far. And hopefully this year will be as good as, as that one or even better. 
working on it. So, and but it's the whole of or almost all the Czech team out there at the moment, isn't that right? Yeah, that's right. It's like half of the Czech team because, like, during the autumn 2020, we were talking with the Wojciech Karl that we would like to go to Africa again to get ready for for a home homeward trips, as he was in uh, South Africa last year and I was in Kenya three years ago. He was quite satisfied with South Africa, but I I thought like okay, Kenya is a cheaper country and we we can be here longer or whatever. We were chatting about it and uh, it's like pro and uh, what's for Kenya, what's for South Africa. And then we decided for Kenya because Jan Shidivi, the head coach of Czech national team, he decided that we have some spare money from 220 because it was almost no competitions. So he, he like supported us with financially. Uh, like, yeah, I can say like half of it. So suddenly he offered it to the whole team like not that everyone would have the same support, but there are some stairs according to your position in the team. And finally, it was like 13 guys wanted to go and I got a little bit scared because everything <laughs> fell on my head. I was like the one who is supposed to like prepare everything. And it's pretty hard here in Kenya to, to make a deal with the people because it's like they don't care they don't plan so much and if they say yes it can be no in a few hours or so the first accommodation we were supposed to have was at jake robertson the new zealand uh, long distance runner and he's kind of special special guy uh he's really nice but uh, on the other hand you cannot be sure what he's going to do in the next hours so we, we made a deal but a few days afterwards he said no i don't want want you at my place so and they were also recon, re, doing reconstructions so he, it was kind of a weird but finally we found the solution with the help of a local guy so it was perfect wow and um, what's like a typical day like out there training if there is a typical day yes there is a typical day it of course it depends on the weather like uh, Kenyans, they are running really early in the morning and then late in the afternoon because during the day it's really hot, especially when the sun is up and no clouds anywhere. So it depends. If it's cloudy, they are going to run, I don't know, eight, nine, but always without breakfast. They are running on a dinner. And if it's if it's a sunny day, they are like surrounding at the meeting spot at 5.50 in the morning starting the session at six <laughs> and then, then there, is, there is a lazy day afterward they are not doing anything maybe a laundry of the running shoes and uh, running clothes just hanging out and yeah enjoying the sun or like sleeping because they usually don't even have a breakfast they are, like run the session then take a shower and go to lunch so you're skipping one meal, so that's why they are so skinny. <laughs> and in the afternoon, uh, no, you go around five, five o'clock again because the sun, the sun is going down, and that's like it's pretty good to have a have a long break be- between the sessions so you can recover. So I was I was also yeah. trying to keep it that way, at least six hours between the runs. Like in Europe, we we are not used to do it like that. Usually, you have a first session around ten and the second session around two. So suddenly, if the first session is longer, you ended up like 
ending ending the session before the lunch and suddenly after the lunch you have like two hours before another session mm. and that's that's hard <laughs> it's like one session almost there's not enough time between to recover and here it's pretty okay because like the daylight we are really close to to like the middle of the earth <laughs> i don't yeah, know quite earth, quite earth. so so yeah 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 so so the daylight is still the same and also the weather it's usually pretty pretty same the whole year it depends if it's a rainy rainy season or not but the rainy se- raining season starts around middle middle of april i think so you've adapted yeah. okay to having to train really early in the morning with no breakfast then yeah we started <laughs> The first day we came, we already started like that, and every day is the same. And what do you eat out there? You can get a fresh vegetable, like that's awesome, like carrots, avocados, man- like and fruit as well, mangoes, pineapples, mm. I don't know, potatoes, whatever. But it's really hard to get meat. And if you if you get it, it's not good. It's like old chickens, which are not get, um, giving you <laughs> eggs anymore, or like really old goats. And I don't I don't like it. And they even cut it with the bones, so you are eating it, and suddenly ah, there is a bone. <laughs> and it's it's not good. So actually, almost everyone here is a vegetarian. Is a vegetarian right now. <laughs> I think that's kind of sensible. Um, I want to ask like. We were chatting in the last podcast. We're, we are so jealous that you are actually just anywhere other than home at the moment because we are not allowed to go anywhere. What's the rule, Will, for Brits about who can travel? Um, it's only Olympic or Commonwealth athletes, so people who represent GB in an Olympic sport. So track, athletics would be fine, but not for anyone in orienteering. Or if you make like a certain amount of your money from sports, maybe yeah, as well? it's like eighty percent of your money made yeah. from sport. So my which question is definitely not for orienteers. So how on earth have you managed to get to Kenya at this time? We're so jealous. I think we were lucky because just after we left, like uh, the the situation in Czech Republic got worse again as well, and like coming going out is pretty okay, like. You just have to pass the tests and they let you go. But going back home, we were a little bit scared because there was supposed to be a quarantine and we planned our arrival in Czech Republic just to be there ahead of the Euro meeting. Because if you are going from the altitude training, you should race straight away or like two weeks after. Mm-hmm. And if we would have to be in a quarantine like five, five, six days, suddenly you can feel really weak from this training camp. So it would make no sense to go even for the Euro meeting. And I think we don't have to pass the quarantine if we will be like clean of COVID. So that's uh, that's that's good. Because if not, mm-hmm. I think I would stay in Kenya or just skip the Euro meeting. Because I don't like to 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 race if I'm not uh, not totally okay or if I would be down. It's no no sense yeah that makes sense and you chatted you said about the altitude is that something you definitely had to adjust to in your first like week when you're in kenya yeah it's totally personalized thing or like individual thing 
some people get used to it really really fast like two three days and some people can fight with the altitude like 10 days even more we had one we had one guy who who didn't respond well for it and he's starting to train like nowadays and we are here already two and two and uh, half a week yeah two and a half week like for me uh i think this is a genetic thing it it has nothing to do with your like uh, physical shape or you're born with it or not so you have to act according to how your body responds and also and what- it's getting better you're getting used to it if you if you already had like few training camps in altitude you're getting used to it faster and faster yeah well yeah absolutely now i was going to say what's the toughest session you've you've got done so far since you've been there the toughest session Okay, maybe it was like the third session, but it was re- really easy jogging, and uh, the first half, first half, first half, first half was downhill, and it was around 15k, and suddenly 5k before the finish, it was uphill, and I had to walk to keep keep my heart rate in a in a good level. So that was probably the hardest, but actually it was easy. <laughs> Oh. Deceptively difficult. Oh my god! I was gonna say not even a full-on track session. I was expecting like one of those massive Kenyan fartlek sessions that you see the videos of, of just a hundred guys pacing it down. I'm road. not doing that. Not doing that. It's impossible. <laughs> like if they are running really? one, one, two, one, or three, one, it's like two, one minute at least, like two twenty-five per k. And when they are slowing down for the other one minute, it's like three twenty. So for me, I would run full speed whole the whole training it wouldn't be a fart like for me like in the first part they they will run away from me and in the other part i would try to catch them <laughs> wow well, well. got instant 10k pb in the middle of a session yeah yeah you can have it <laughs> yeah but, but presumably but there's is, just runners everywhere it's a huge group of runners like they are like synchronized and the dust behind them like it's extraordinary yeah. mm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can imagine. Just poetic across the across the landscape. Sun, sun is sun is going up like they starting before before sunrise, so it has. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like mm. the dream. Yeah. Well, I guess it puts into perspective like the the crazy amounts of work that they're doing, and but hopefully, like it can be an inspiring place to go rather than just oh my god, what I'm so rubbish compared to everyone else. <laughs> Yeah, but they like the so industrial nice. estates that we're running around at the moment. Yeah, they are so nice. They are supporting uh, the the foreigners. Like three years ago, when I was running with them, it was awesome. They are like cheering for you and come on, you can do it. Don't listen to your coach. You're here with us. You have to follow our our plans and just yeah, follow your body, follow follow your instincts and just yeah. That's awesome. really cool. I'm interested I'm interested to know like well part of when I found out you're in Kenya it was like oh my god how can you do it with COVID because we're just stuck I think at the moment in the UK we can run with we can meet up for with one other person for exercise and that is it um and and the se- so how are you doing it with COVID? And my second thing is how are you all affording it because I don't know what the situation is like in the Czech Republic in the UK 
we you know the elites get no money at all pretty much and um you know but then obviously in other countries there are professional athletes who are getting quite a lot of money from or from or from different kind of places and getting a lot of support from their federation what's the situation like in the czech republic where where are you at and like some of your teammates at i think like most of the expenses we are covering ourselves but uh, like half of the price is the plane ticket and then uh, living here is really cheap uh, the situation like when we planned to the training camp you are never sure if it's going to happen like someone could be stopped during the tests or they can like cancel flight ticket actually they canceled our flight tickets for the first time because i think we were buying them around november december i found a really nice quite cheap uh, plane tickets with turkish airlines so like half of the team who went here uh, bought them but three days afterwards we received an email that it's cancelled with, with like no explanation why so then we waited oh, like waited till uh, till a new year so in the in a january i actually started to to search for a new plane tickets but then we already had booked the accommodation so i was like hoping uh, that it's gonna gonna happen actually one one girl was here around uh, around new year or was it christmas so, something like that in in the late december and she she flew with qatar so we were like okay we should we should try to use the same same company because they are probably not going to cancel it and yeah it worked well yeah i actually lost lost the <laughs> lost, lost the needle like Where, where are we going now? What was the question? <laughs> my oh, my question Did was I well, Did well, I, I, uh, well, the question was kind of, I guess, how can you all afford it? But also, have do most of the team? Uh, is it a mixture of kind of students? Do you have part time jobs? Do you train full time as an athlete? Like, what other different like setups for the the yourself and the team? I'm trying to be a professional, but without uh, without support of my family, it wouldn't be possible. My parents still covering some of my expenses, but I can kind of survive on my own. I live on my own with my girlfriend and another guy who's like pro is Wojciech Kral. The others are students or they work. Few of them are working like they don't, they are, they are on home office. So actually they can work from here, from Kenya. Oh. Mm only like three three guys had to take a vacation okay and like you say with the early starts and the late the late runs it's perfect for home office you just start do your training start working at nine o'clock get a full day's work in you're done yeah exactly like the the, the time is perfect because we are like plus two hours so you can have a training and then you can start like a normal eu uh, working time so oh, see i makes... missed the trick I had I had twenty one days of holiday to use by the end of March. I should have just gone to Kenya. <laughs> yeah, you should have. Yeah, but you can't even get there. I can't, I can't even go fifty miles down the road. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! But of course, like you know, as you've already said, all of this is for the World Championships, Home World Championships. Like, how long have you been personally preparing for the World Championships? I guess pretty pretty much since it was announced yeah exactly i remember sitting in a in a dining room 
I think it was Estonia. We were there before the competitions even started. Like, yeah, it was like a council deciding if it will be in Brasilia or Czech. And then they said it's going to be in Czech. And I, we were like, yes, of course. And four years <laughs> of preparation. So. Hey. That's brilliant. And so can you describe the terrain for walk for all of our listeners who've would never have been there, maybe not seen any maps? What is it like out there? Okay, there are two different types of terrain. One is mountainous. I would say nothing special. You can find this terrain everywhere in the world, probably. Like for the Scandinavians, it will be perfect. Uh, I think even in the UK, you can find really similar terrains. And then it's going to be sandstones, which are quite special. I think there is no other place in the world looking exactly the same. But mm. you can find uh, in Germany, like borders quite close to Czech Republic, there are perfect, uh, really similar sandstones. I guess Czevok in, uh, in Australia was was also yeah. pretty rocky but dif- different part different kind and I, so. I i saw just today i saw that the french and the swiss team they have a training camp i think on fontainebleau we were there yeah. with checking 2009 as well and uh, pretty similar too but there are no hills no valleys no, no steep uh, parts so it's a little bit different but still perfect place to prepare for for our sandstones. Mm. It's going to be a lot of a lot about your choices. As a local guy, I would say that the World Cup 2018 was the different. But for for like foreigners, I think it's uh, mostly it looks the same. They, they can't see see the difference. So that's why I, I, I was quite surprised that all the foreigners, they are going for for a training camp to Czech Republic, almost no one was training in like a similar area for uh, for the long and relay. All of them went to Turnov and uh, the map from the World Cup. And in my eyes, it's it's a different stuff. So I was like, yes, <laughs> not preparing <laughs> in, in the <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So how is it different then? How is that World Cup area different to the areas for the World Championships? They are floors of, of the rocks. In, uh, in the area of the World Cup, it was just complex. No, no, no levels of the rocks. But in the area for long distance and the relay, you can find like terraces or how to say it. Yeah, floors. Yeah, terraces, yeah. So, so they're you, like, like there's yeah. steps, there's lots of, yeah. Yeah, and you need to teach how to, how to recognize from the map if is it good to run between or go up or down. So I think few trainings is really, really important to have. Or like for the Scandinavians, they are going straight away almost in every competition <laughs> at, at their homes. So here it, it won't work. You have to think about going around mm. quite a lot. Much more like a maze. It's hard to see. I think sometimes, because I think there was a really good example of it in the the World of O's route to Christmas, one of the um, legs from Czech Republic. And I don't know whether it was a training or what it was, but yeah, there was an option. Do you go kind of up and round and then back down? Do you go down and round and back along? And actually the best one was there was, you can see there was exactly a little ledge, a little terrace that you could go underneath all these rocks and pretty much stay, not have too much climb a little bit yeah, maybe. Yeah, middle and, distance competition. Yeah. And I think that just shows exactly what you're what you're saying. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, this part of the map was like a sample in a bulletin for the competition. And I put it into the old map and I was like preparing some courses and I was like, yeah, of course, if, if it's going to be here, I'm going around. And, and then it was the fastest. And I actually see also on a Czech uh, map server, there are like photos from the terrain. So I, I was in front of my computer watching left right from the top of the top of the, the top of the rock and i actually saw like okay it's really nicely runnable i'm going there then it was 20 seconds faster so the preparation is uh, really that's important that's how you do geeking for a competition yeah that is that is an yeah. that is a great example you have to of be geeking sneaker. it's like the yeah, creepy geeking yeah <laughs> <laughs> That is intense. But I mean, presumably that, that win um, at the World Cup um, in Czech must be give you so much confidence going through. I remember seeing you win that one and like just how uh, your emotions must have been on that day. Yeah, that was amazing. Like I knew that I can run there pretty good, but uh, I, I didn't have the best start. I, I had a big uh, mistake on the first control. I was already looking behind my shoulder if if the other guy is starting behind me is, can see me or what because this <coughs> because the starting interval was really low was it like one and one and a half minutes yeah like, I, I think, think so like and you were starting you weren't starting yeah. that late you were starting quite early comparatively I think yeah, as well yeah yeah like maybe twenties last or something yeah something yeah. like that. I had a pretty nice number. I think I have 101 or something. Maybe it was even more runners starting behind me. <laughs> but actually in this terrain, you cannot run the best route choices all the time. I will try to explain. Like it can be always better to run straight or anything, but you have to think about saving energy and how to run the whole course. So sometimes you will lose on, on a leg, like 20, 30 seconds, but overall you're gaining because at the other leg, you're more fresh or you can use the better route choice afterwards. So when you, when you do like analyzing, it's really hard to say what was the best because you have to take care of the whole, whole course. Mm. Right. Yeah. Okay. I think that's really well explained and it's yeah. something that I think not enough people think about because they look at each leg individually and they go, yeah, there's, there's not enough. They, you know, was that the quickest? You should be the quickest on every one. But yeah, you as long as it's you the time, just the can't. time from start yeah. to finish, that's the one that matters. Actually, we had a guy 2019. We had a pretty nice uh, long distance Czech championship, which is like similar to the middle distance at walk. Like the, the terrain should be similar. There was a guy who was like testing the course, but he was testing separately those legs. And suddenly he ended up like if, if he counts those those times together, he would be a winner. But he, <laughs> he, he they didn't thought about like going the whole course. So the, the race was really long. I think the winner was almost two hours in, in, in a forest. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and is that just because it's so like steep? Yeah, that's 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 because he was always running the best route choice, but separately. That's what I was explaining before. Mm. Mm. So he was not tired before the other leg and so suddenly it's not possible to do it like that. Mm. Mm. And is it this this the steepness of the terrain that mostly takes it out of you physically? Is that the biggest physical challenge? 
yeah steepness and also there's like the ground there's a lot of stuff on the ground so it's hard to you have to focus where to where to step and then it's then it's much harder even so i think i was doing some analyzation of that race and Wojtek Kral he used like 40% of the race he was running around or on a path and i was going more straight and i just lost because of that because i was tired in the end and right I couldn't keep up keep up the speed. Ah, more hill reps then. Right. <laughs> maybe, maybe more hill reps needed. Um, so obviously you've been doing lots of training in the Czech Republic, and you were pretty vocal about when um, there was the ban on people on foreigners coming into the Czech Republic, and then and taking those training sessions that were like pre-rock walk training sessions and then of course the Czech team was like you were told not to do any walk specific training um what was it re- reminded everyone of your reaction to that first we thought it was a big joke so we were like laughing uh, what's going on <laughs> but then we realized it's not a joke and it was really sad but actually I think this period took like one month and then it, we were allowed again to go there and we were really pissed that we can't go there. But suddenly I I realized that after they opened it, I was there like twice a month. So I'm, actually we were not using it that much. So when we were not allowed, we were pissed. But when we were allowed, suddenly we were, we didn't go there anyway. <laughs> so, I don't know if it was snow already, it might have been. But you're not, uh, you don't realize that you're not using the the technical sessions so much often. So the only thing was probably, which was bad, that we couldn't have a training camp because like the training camp is the best. Mm. You can you can you can compare with the others. You have some flags in the forest. So yeah. But I guess when when it was banned, um, you didn't know how long it would be banned for, and that is not fun. Whether it would, you didn't know it would be one month. And you thought maybe it could be five, six months. That would have really yeah. been awful. And actually, I, I moved to the area just to have the opportunity to train there at a daily basis. And suddenly they took that advantage out of us. Mm-hmm. And if we would be Germans, we, we, we could train in a similar terrain just behind the border. So we were fighting a lot for like opening it for us. I think we changed for five emails with the IOF, but they they didn't listen so much. But then it's really hard to just like what is walk specific training because you could do some something that a Brit would call walk specific training that you're doing in the UK, like a session that is designed for you know lots of hills or something. I don't know steep uphills or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah like, and, and like you say, the the long distance terrain isn't anything too special. You can find that everywhere. Yeah. Like I'm living at the embargoed map, like training embargoed map. So actually, it uh, I couldn't go out from my house almost for a, for a normal physical training. Oh god! And 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 of course, all the all the good maps, like uh, the new maps or quite new maps, are embargoed for the training, or at least they are like a training uh, possibilities. So suddenly, when they when they cut us off from that we didn't have any other maps to train on yeah so many training maps that makes sense yeah. what what disciplines are you focusing on most then for the world championships 
I'm going mostly for a long distance, but I'm really, really angry with the discipline setup because long distance is the last one. And I don't like it that way. Like, cause I would like to be fresh for it. Like it's my most favorite discipline. And I think I won't be able to skip relays just the day before. But for example, if Olaf Lundanes will decide that he's going more for long distance, because he's like the individual guy, mostly, then he will have like big advantage. Because running 30, 35 minutes full speed the day before, and even though the, the relay will be late afternoon, and then the long distance is in the morning next day. So there's none, yeah. even not a day off, no, mm. no, no time to recover. So do you think you'll just do the the probably the relay in the long? This is what I thought. Like, I'm still not sure what I would like to do. But uh, middle distance, as I said, is not so special. So I felt like I can do a mixed relay because we had quite uh, good results lately mm-hmm. in a mixed relay. And then uh, re- relay long. But suddenly I would end up with just one individual discipline. So I, I'm. I don't know if I would like to have it like that. Yeah, it's. A, you, you it's but I'm the, focusing more on a on a, on a fo- on a forest. So. I'm right. Yeah. Well, I guess it's whether you want to give yourselves as many opportunities for a good result as possible, or you want to have it down for that one race when you're maybe going to be a bit fresher and and everything. That's so difficult. Yeah, it's so difficult to make a decision like you're putting up too much stress on you if if you are like going just for one one race mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. hard to hard hard to get it hard to have like everything together like to work and yeah not yeah. too much pressure the relay must be a real focus for the team as well yeah we have i think this is our best chance to win a medal in a relay so you obviously you're planning to go to your meeting um what are you hoping to kind of get out of that competition I was actually not so interested to do it, but oh. our coaches are really interested to test us before ahead of the walk. So I need to be on the starting line just to like show some good results. In the beginning, I was thinking of skipping it. If it would be just on me, I would skip it. Like it's uh, it's really bad to say, but I didn't want to teach anyone else how to how to do it. In, in that <laughs> type of the nice. I would like to keep it for myself, but you know, you never know if if it works like this. But it's just it's just that you you have a feeling that you know, you know, and you don't want to show to others. It's like when we were training for walk in Norway, it was like impossible to join Norwegians uh, for for sessions. Mm-hmm. And now nowadays it's gonna be I think after the Euro meeting. Like Fredo Tranchan is staying till walk in Czech Republic, and we were talking with Wojtech like, hmm, but we don't want to train with him together. Like he's such a good runner, and just just letting him train with us, there is a big possibility we wouldn't have a chance to beat him afterwards. Mm. So, because yeah. normally orienteering is really there's a lot of camaraderie between national teams. Yeah, like we are we are big friends. Like if if me and uh, Fredo we would prepare for Norway, Norway, we would gladly go together. But suddenly, like uh, the advantage is in is on our side, and suddenly you play like, oh no 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got Fredo lined up to come on the podcast, so we'll tell him 
We already have one French in our team, you know, like the uh, <laughs> boyfriend of Teresa and Mexico. So. Oh, yeah. Um, Let's keep it that way. Let's keep nice. it that way. <laughs> no, no, no. But about the Euro meeting, I th- like I would like to show some nice results in uh, middle and long because also like having uh, world ranking points is pretty important ahead of the world champs. And like last season, there were no competitions at all. And we didn't, at least, like, I think none, none of the Czech runners had been at some uh, world ranking events, like in uh, South Europe. And they they got pretty good points. And that was actually the only competitions where you could get some. Uh-huh. Or like just on a local basis, like Swiss, they also had some, had some competitions with world ranking events, but we didn't have any in Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. So suddenly... I will cut off all my good points and I can start in, 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 in the beginning of the competition, which is not, mm. I don't know how, how to do it. They, but it's, it's, it's hard decisions. But then a lot of people, I think, also are in the same position. Like none of the Brits have got to go anywhere and they're all going to lose all their ranking points. And yeah, yeah they're just going it's... down in the world ranking. And... Yeah, yeah, exactly. And of course, you want the world ranking points to start later, later on in the competition. Are you someone normally who likes to do a lot of racing before a big race or a lot of competitions? Or do you like kind of not doing so much and then leaving it all for the, the main the main one? I think I actually need a lot of competitions to get confident. I don't. I don't care. I can go go for the competition from the full training, so I can I can have like 150, 170 kilometers per week and uh, competing on a weekend. That's okay for me because like I know that I was training a lot and that my shape is not perfect. But still, if I will manage to keep all together and have a good uh, technical performance, it's still better to race than not race. Mm-hmm. It's gonna mm-hmm. be hard if, if like the Euro meeting will be the, the only competition before the walk. It's gonna be hard for everyone to perform well. It's it's the same with the technical mm-hmm. training. If you are not doing any map sessions or yeah, then it's rusty, and it's the same with the mental preparations. You need competitions to get used to it. Yeah, I think most people, most people, not everyone would agree for them personally, but I think most people would say that. Yeah. So, yeah. what do you, what is your training looking like then from from when you get back home to to World Championships? What kind of things will you try and do in that time? I think I will start to focus totally on the technical aspects. Like, really, would like to have like three, four technical sessions a week, because here in Kenya there is like none. <laughs> we are focusing just on the physical aspect of the of the performance. Oh, we are out of electricity. <laughs> it happens. It happens a lot. <laughs> yeah. But luckily, I, I'm ever, I charged everything before. Okay, so good. Yeah, should be okay. <laughs> it's just gone dark. Oh my god. Are you? Are you? Is it weird doing a whole session out in Kenya with no maps? Uh, actually, I brought brought some maps. <laughs> so, like, at least look at them at the accommodation. Yeah. But. It's not weird for me, and I also have a have a good experience from three years ago. I was here. Ah, it's on. Yeah. <laughs> I, had, I had nine weeks in Kenya last time, mm. and then I went straight to Portugal with the Czech team for two week uh, training camp. And after like one session, I got it back. Mm. I was afraid that I will lose 
lose the technique, lose the self-confidence. But actually, I was so much looking forward to do the orienteering that I was focusing more than if I would spend spend the same amount of time mm. doing a normal training. I think I would be worse orienteer than after I had a had a had a break. So mm, I'm interesting. Yeah, actually, I found out that. I like it this way. I'm not like Thierry who who spent like every day on a map. I need to take a break to look forward to it and then enjoy. And even though if if I'm not looking forward to the training, it's better for me to not do it because then you're just destroying your routines if you're not focusing. Mm. So I I can say I'm doing the technical training mostly on the training camps. And if I'm on my own at home, I'm just focusing on a physical aspect mm. and also like the preparation behind the table. Yeah. yeah. I'm like looking at, yeah. at the maps, but not doing uh, orienteering sessions in a forest. Yeah. I would rather yeah. go and just run through the forest without the map. But it also depends uh, on the area where, where I was. When I was in uh, Brno, I didn't go for, uh, for the map training. Mm-hmm. But around uh, Liberets, it's so nice that like once or twice a week, yeah, I'm, I'm still doing like some orienteering. Nice. And I want to like ask a last question of the main part of the interview, which is, do you think you will feel a lot of pressure with it being a home world championships? Of course, having that win from the World Cup, mm-hmm. do you think there's a lot of pressure on you? And how will you try and cope with that? Of course. I will feel a big pressure, but uh, luckily I'm not the only one on, in a team who is like having a, a high, high wishes or like, because Wojciech Kral is like the best guy in Czech and it's actually nice to have him. So not all the pressure is just on my shoulders. We, we can, we can share it and uh, that's good. That, that, that's keeping us like quite self-confident or how to say it to like if if one of us will have a success then it's good so it doesn't depend just on on myself and we we are supporting each other and actually training quite a lot together also in Czech yeah we are in touch quite often that's a really good position to be in I think that Mm. you're supporting each other that way and it takes the pressure off kind of both of you and that you'll be hopefully happy if you know if the other of you succeed but hopefully I'm sure you'll be hoping that both of you do well um, ultimately so looking forward for the relay like the relays lately we had such a good uh, such a good performances in relay just a small step behind the medals so we hope that in our terrain we can finally break do the breakthrough like Wojty, he he already has two medals from european champs from relay but i never got into the team i'm actually almost i'm 30 and i i'm running the relays for the for the team like last two three years i think yeah 218 was my first first year in a in a relay so i'm like a newcomer newcomer (laughs) (laughs) so what leg will you take in the relay do you have that do you have the legs decided already for the relay or will that be decided later on i think we are counting with uh, Wojciech on the last leg because he's really really fast and he can he can uh, he can run in because last year he he just overspurted the magna deli and magna is pretty fast too (laughs) 
and I think I will do the second leg. Second leg suits me. So we're just uh, hoping that Pavel Kubat will like train a little bit more than than now. <laughs> like I'm I'm following his Strava and I'm always like, no Pavel, do something, do something. Or but we have uh, some some uh, some good runners in a reserve like. Marek Minas, Tomasz Krzywda, and so on and so on. We, we have plenty to... If something bad happens, we are still capable of um, replacing uh, one one guy and still hopes for good results. So mm. it doesn't depend just on on us. That's that's good. Yeah. And also, cool. like, ho- ho- home champs, you you know, Will, like, home, yeah. home world champs is, like, for most the guys from the team or, like, the girls as well, it's such a big motivation that they are doing their best to prepare. Yeah, everyone, yeah, everyone's hoping for having a spot in a team. Luckily, there is there are those sprints added into the program because if it would be just the forest, it can happen. It's just three guys running everything mm. and three mm. girls. Yeah. You, because at home, you don't need to have a, a reserve with you like everyone in, in Czech Republic. <laughs> So, they'll all be waiting for the call. They all be waiting for the for the call. Yeah. So if, if you've got, you've better screen, be safe when you're training. You can, you know, yeah. someone could just be waiting around the corner with a bat. Someone, yeah. <laughs> be, behind the tree, like with the with the roots stuck, like punching. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, we are allowed it. In the year 2013, me and Wojtek Kral, we were going for a last fast session before he was leaving for a walk in uh, Finland. And the last few meters of the intervals in the forest, he just stepped wrong and twisted his ankle. It was like five, last five meters of the training. And then I went for the walk instead of him. (laughs) Oh my God. That's the, st- is are that you, the story. Are you sure, are you sure he just tripped? You know, you're sure you weren't yeah. part of it? <laughs> Since then, he never trained with me the last preps. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love oh, that. Oh, man, that's so bad. Yeah, that was so badass. <laughs> yeah, but I swear I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we believe you. We believe you. We're on team, Milo. <laughs> Yeah, your team Miller. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a great way to leave. I leave think that's the a great bill. way to end it there. So the World Championships then um, in the Czech Republic, of course, will be the 3rd to the 9th of July. I'm so looking forward to it. I really hope it happens. And I think Milos Nikodim does that too. But I think he gave away some kind of good secret, well, not necessarily secrets, but some good kind of tactics that we need we need to listen to if you're going for a walk. Um, we, did you find it useful, Will? No, yeah, definitely. Some great top tips. Um, <laughs> I know that I'm not going to be allowed to stay at his house. Even, <laughs> even despite COVID, um, but yeah, yeah he's no, not going to let anyone in. No. no, no, not at all. Embargo on everyone international. Uh, <laughs> no, some very sneaky top tips. Very interesting to know that he didn't think the World Cup terrain was that similar to the walk terrain mm. in particular. Mm. Mm. Although, like, I mean, in in general, the whole of the world they are really similar. But I guess you know he. Yeah. Knows- so well that he knows that they are actually pretty different so very very useful and I think we're going to try hopefully in the run-up to the world championships to speak to another um, couple of Czech athletes as well as um, some of the Brits of course to like look at their build-ups to the world championships um, 
especially after there wasn't one last year goodness me um and there's now sprints in there as well so fingers crossed for um great results in that one uh, anyway, before we end the podcast, uh, we need to have a little word from our sponsors, uh, Envy and Straight Compasses. Will, you've been uh, racing around or running around in the forest ones recently. Yeah, no races still, sadly, but well, definitely yeah. trying to go as fast as I can. Okay. <laughs> yeah, going quickly. Um, yes, especially in the, the snow and the ice that's gripped the UK lately. Um, leads us to have a bit more of a Scandinavian winter than normal. Um, I've been donning the uh, the forest ones quite a lot to stop myself falling on on my backside, as I did a couple of times in the early instances of the snow in the Midlands. So clearly not being too used to it. So um, wiped them on for some forest training that I did. I've, I've been trying to step up again recently after a bit of a work-induced break and finding the grip just excellent. No worries at all on any of the massive patches of black ice that have been. Uh, fettering the the roads and tracks near me so can't and they're the ones with the metal dobs right they are the ones with the metal dobs indeed yes so uh nice tungsten grip on the ice brilliant uh so if you want to get um a hold of any of the shoes from envy then you need to contact mary fleming the email address is envystraight.uksales at gmail.com nvii str the number eight uh, dot uk sales at gmail.com but that is pretty much it for uh this episode of course uh we've recorded a sprint episode with milos nikodim that'll be out next week and then we'll be back in another couple of weeks with our next big guest uh so we will see you then